Hey to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week, your audio almanac of all the fish. It's Monday, December 5th, 2022. This year, we're excited to take you on a week-by-week tour of fish across the country with guests from all walks of life. I'm Katrina Liebrich with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. And I'm Guy Ero. This week, we're going to be talking about the pickerels, both kinds, dill and bread and butter. Since I don't have a guest to introduce, I figured I'd try and one-up your fish intro with something about prison and teardrop tattoos and chains and grass, but um, this isn't about prison. This is about the ornery little cousins of pike and muskie. These are little hammer handles with a bunch of confusing names, and I'm really excited we're going to chat about all the pickerels. Okay, so Esox is a genus, and within that genus, there is a handful of species. You've got your muskie, your northern pike. And then you've got your chain pickerel, which I'm familiar with from my time in Maine. And you've also got your American pickerel. And that actually encompasses two subspecies, your grass and your redfin pickerel. Usually when you have subspecies, it's the scientists and the researchers and those people who distinguish between them, whereas the general public just recognizes the entire greater species. This case is one of the only ones I know where it's flipped, where... Basically, all your lay people know grass pickerel and redfin pickerel as two separate entities, even though they're subspecies of this greater pickerel species that, you know, you refer to it as an American pickerel, but no one really speaks like that. In terms of Esox, so we're talking about the pickerels today, but, you know, this is a genus with a handful of species. It also includes your muskie and your northern pike. So, yeah, they're, they're very similar looking fish to some of those bigger fish that people might be familiar with. I think our very first episode was northern pike, and we did a couple episodes in that first season. But yep. it's been over a year since we've even talked about anything in the Esox I was going to say, or similar type things, but there really is nothing similar to the Esox, is there? there so is not. we may as well describe what these fish look like generally for people who might not be familiar. Yeah. To put on my best Katrina impression, if I was holding <laughs> one of these in my hands, what would it look like? These guys are classic Esox. Their fins are loaded towards the back of their body. And that really helps them have a quick burst of speed from a standstill. These fish are ambush predators. And that fin arrangement towards the back and the shape of their body really reflects that. When I think of pickerel, the first thing that comes to mind is that real distinctive eye marking. It looks kind of like a teardrop tattoo. And pickerel have that, whereas pike and muskie do not. In terms of their face... They're really interesting. They have a face that kind of looks like a duck bill, and they have a lot of really sharp teeth in their mouth. They're pretty small, and they have an olive-colored body. Where they start to differ from each other a bit in terms of pickerel is the size. So chain pickerel can be quite a bit bigger, and they have these markings on their sides that look like links in a chain. They also have slightly sharper looking fins, whereas the grass and redfin pickerel have more slight kind of tiger striping and these rounded fins, and they're smaller. The grass pickerel tend to be dark, and the redfins have these distinctive red fins. And small pike are sometimes called a hammer handle, and when you're holding a pickerel in your hands, it would just be like holding a small pike. So yeah. That's how I would describe it. Would you have anything else to add about it? Yeah, so y- you mentioned the back set fins. There's a word I want to throw out here for you, Katrina, sagittiform. 
Does that ring any bells? <laughs> it does. Take it you back some to bells from ichthyology class. Yep. Yeah. Sagittiform is one of the classic, you, you have these shapes that fish generally fall into. Now, every time you make one of these categories, you're going to find tons of fish that don't fit into any of them. But <laughs> Sagittiform actually comes, it's from the Latin or Greek for arrow. And there is no species or group of fishes out there that fit this definition of a body type better than these pikes and pickerels. So yeah, they got these really back set fins. If you looked at a cross section, it's basically like a circular type shape. They're not really compressed laterally. And then that duck bill that you're talking about, that really does, it's like a conical nose on a spaceship or something. You know, think about being aerodynamic or in this case hydrodynamic mm -hmm. that's the purpose to just split through the water like an arrow i should just mm -hmm. bring it back to the arrow analogy and to really spear their prey that way and of course they got these mouths that are just full of these hundreds of sharp pointed very small teeth they're used to grab onto and eventually just wolf down any prey that uh, they find I, I do also want to touch a little bit on you're talking about so the differences in the appearance between the grass slash redfin mm -hmm. and the chain pickerels, you mentioned that teardrop, that uh, officially a suborbital bar that they have, <laughs> suborbital below the eye. So the teardrop is actually a good diagnostic characteristic. And this is especially true when you're handling or looking at small pickerels. And so mention that kind of chain-like pattern that the chain pickles get their name from, but they don't actually have that when they're juveniles. They get this kind of wavy-looking pattern, and it's very similar with the American pickles, the, the, your redfin and grass pickles, as well as even northern pikes. And so when you're dealing with a really small couple-inch-long juvenile, it can be hard to look at the pattern and say that this is definitively a certain species. That's when you can look at the eye and look at this suborbital bar, which is really cool. And so in the chain pickerels, it's distinct, and it's going to be mostly up and down, mostly a vertical bar there, maybe a little bit of an angle towards either the front of the fish or towards the back. However, in the grass and the redfin pickerels, it is going to have a very prominent angle towards the back of the fish, towards the body, this kind of posterior angle. So that suborbital bar can be a good key characteristic, especially when you're dealing with really small, young-a-year juvenile fish. Yeah, and I think that's a good point comparing at least the chain with the pike. And I was looking up some of the common names around within their range, and some of the common names are like Federation pike, Southern pike, grass pike, red pike, and then I guess for some of the other pickerel species, ditch pike. And that can be confusing as well because... They're not the northern pike. They are a pickerel. But some of those common names reflect the fact that, yeah, it's got pike in there. So yeah. just a little addition. Um, in terms of size, I looked up some stats, and I just wanted to run through these quickly to give folks an idea how big. You asked me, like, what it's like to hold one of these in your hand. If you had a pike in the United States, the biggest pike caught was a 46-pounder. That was caught in New York bigger than my son Ragnar. And for you guys, that's about as big as a 50 pound kettlebell. Thought I'd throw another weight a... for you there. <laughs> 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 or one of those round weights, 50 pounder. Biggest muskie, 68 pounds. That was in Wisconsin. That's more like a golden retriever size. And we're going to cover muskies in season three. So look for that one. Uh, biggest chain pickerel was almost a 10 pounder from Georgia. But in general, you can expect something less than five pounds with a chain pickerel. 
biggest grass pickerel, about a pound and a half. And I grew zucchinis that were bigger than that this past summer. So they're pretty small, but they are like mighty fighters for their size. And I could not find one for redfin. So I don't know if you have any information on redfin and how big, but I'm guessing pretty small like a grass pickerel. I would say that's about right. All the ones that I've caught are definitely pretty small. In terms of where you can find these fish, the redfin pickerel are mostly along the East Coast from the Northeast down into those states that border the Gulf of Mexico. Chains are similar. And if you look at a range map for grass pickerel, they mostly range from the lower Great Lakes states down the Mississippi drainage and into those Gulf of Mexico states from like Texas over to Florida. And like many fish, the pickerels have been introduced into areas outside their natural range. Esox is one of my favorite groups of fishes. I think it's a lot of people's favorite groups of fishes because they're just such a cool fish, but they're also fall within that group of fishes known as game species. So it's something that you can brag about. It is a cool toothy predator that you can show off, get the hunting stuff like that. And so just a neat group. And I, to this point, I'd gone after tiger muskie and found that to be a very challenge, but a very rewarding challenge. I'd caught some northern pike. I'd gone over to Europe and tried to do that. But so I came down to Georgia and there's finally an opportunity that you got these two pickerels, which I've just sort of always been on my radar as species that I wanted to catch but weren't a high enough priority to make a big trip to go anywhere to look for them. But now that I was in the same place that had both of them, I, I kind of had this opportunity. I always had in my head, though, that they'd be kind of like pike, where they're super aggressive. And so if I'm just fishing the waters, eventually I'm going to find some. But, you know, after four years of going to school at UGA and doing tons of fishing, I never came across any. My very <laughs> first semester in the stream on campus, we were doing some electrofishing. And we shocked up a chain pickerel on campus. So it's not like they weren't there. And I'd seen some and I just, they wouldn't come and hit stuff like I was expecting them to. Now, these weren't very big ones, but still, you'd think that somewhere along the lines of that. So I was about to graduate. I was finally done with my finals and stuff. And so I was taking some time to do some fishing. I'd actually been helping out with this kid's fishing day out, out at the nature center. And there's this pond that they don't let anyone fish except for on the kids' fishing days. And so after I was done with that, I kind of sucked up to the lady. I was like, hey, can I just fish here a little bit? She said, sure. And so I was going, and I finally hooked into my first chain pickerel. It was awesome. I was bringing it in. And then it jumped, as the chain pickerels are apt to do. Mm-hmm. And it just threw my lure. And, you know, I, I got to see it, that big profile <laughs> just against the sky. And it broke my heart and I I can get frustrated (laughs) when things like that happen. I've had times where I throw my rod, I'll take my shirt off and storm off in a huff. And that's just kind of me. And so I like rip it off like a wrestler. No, I'm not that strong. (laughs) I got these little twiggy bird arms, but I'm able to take it off like a normal person and stomp around. And then later that same weekend, I, again, just looking for something to do. I went out to another lake. I was just catching bass and red breast sunfish. And it was good. And all of a sudden, I hooked into what I assumed was a bass and just brought it up. And right there, it was a chain pickerel. So I didn't know what to do because normally I'm not in my kayak. Normally I'm walking around and I got a feeling. And I got this rule that in order to count it as caught, I have to touch the fish. <laughs> That's the rule. Otherwise, it it doesn't count. That's why that other one, even though I knew what it was. The one that was against the sky. It didn't get caught. Yeah. So I'm thinking here. I'm looking at this fish that's sort of along the side of the kayak. 
Do I just try and throw my hand at it and touch it? And so I can count it and put it on my sheet, new species entry? Or do I make sure that I try and get a picture of this thing and get it into the boat and everything like that? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to maintain uh, with my one hand, trying to maintain some pressure on the line. You know, you don't want to let the line go slack. The fish will get away. While trying to feel around behind me, I don't keep my kayak particularly organized, looking for a net. And finally, I'm able to get it up, get it by my feet, and get the picture, and it was great and everything like that. At the time, I had felt such a sense of accomplishment on that fish. It had been so long coming, and that, that's the thing about fishing, though, is like you can target stuff and be on the lookout and really be going through stuff, and then just all of a sudden... You find it when you just you have your guard down and you're not expecting it, and you have to just get on it on the fly. That, that's part of the fun of fishing is that you don't know when things are gonna hit. You can really try to make all the stars align, and nothing will happen. And then just out of the blue, you're greeted with an opportunity. So that was awesome. In terms of behavior, though, I mean, these guys are all pretty aggressive. So if you fished for northern pike, if you fished for musky, if you fished for pickerel there are some behavioral kind of similarities, I would say, with how they are fished and with how aggressive they are. So what was your experience when you went fishing for, you mentioned grass pickerel is the one you've caught, or redfin is the one you have caught? Redfin. So redfins, I think, and again, this is generally speaking, without looking at how they've been moved around at all, and they are the smaller of the species, so they don't get moved around as much. That just That's how it goes with fish getting moved around by people. But I think it's more Atlantic Slope is where you're going to find redfin and more like Mississippi type drainage is where you're going to find your grass ones. So the only place where I've actually found either, and it was redfin on two different occasions, was down the Okefenokee Swamp. Hmm. So that's where my experience catching them has come from. What was it like? Was it pretty exciting? Well, the Okefenokee is a beautiful area. It's a swamp. It's real just super darkly stained water, just tan and stained because you got all these pine forests and stuff down there. Mm-hmm. And the fish down there, it, it's not just the pickerels that adapt this kind of coloration. It's the flyers. It's the mosquito fish. It's mm-hmm. the bowfin. Everything in there get this really dark skin and they'll actually get like a blue sheen on their eyes. I don't oh, know cool. what that's about, but you pull these fish out and it's just a really dark version of the fish with a blue eye. There's tons of emergent vegetation, you know, black water, tons of these lily pads, other type flowers. I don't know the names of the plants, but all this emergent vegetation and, you know, the pickerel are going to be skulking around in there. So I think I remember, is this where your bowfin story is from too? Okefenokee? You told this. Yeah, yeah. That's where I get this area before, I think. Yeah. I was so intent on catching a bowfin on that trip. I thought I had one. I brought it in, and it was actually a decent-sized redfin pickerel, which I didn't really realize at the time. You know, it was probably 12 inches or so, so a big one, maybe mm-hmm. a little smaller. This is a fish story. But uh, <laughs> I bring that in, and I was just so upset that it wasn't a bowfin that I just released it there without even ever taking a picture or anything, oh, which in no. retrospect, I'm kind of <laughs> upset about. Yeah. Uh, but the the next one I caught, I made sure to take a picture, but yeah, you know, you're, I'm just using spinners to fish for them, trying to get it right close to that vegetation. Cause that's where they're going to be hanging out. Yeah. Awesome. What was your experience been like fishing for chains? So when we were in Maine, there's a lot of 
non-native isasas up there. So we would musky fish, we would go pike fishing. And then I can't remember if we were actually targeting pickerel or not. I know we caught some when we were ice fishing, but in a lot of those lake systems, we ended up catching quite a few during ice fishing and also during open water, but it's the same like targeting structure. If you've got logs or weeds, that's where those fish are hanging out. If you're ice fishing, you know, you've got your tip up you got some live bait. So depending on where you are, you got, you got to check those regs and make sure live bait's allowed, but they're going to be going after. Make sure after. tip-ups are allowed. Make sure tip-ups are allowed. So yeah, I remember um, catching them under the ice. I think it was Pushaw Lake, if I'm recalling correctly. And that's on the, in the Penobscot drainage. But yeah, you just, you're setting your tip up. You're watching that line go out. You're not sure what you got. It's under the ice and then wait for that pause and then set your hook after it starts moving again. And I think I remember pulling up quite a few pickerel out of that system. So when you're waiting for them to eat like that, are you intending to release these fish? Are you just trying to keep them? Do they really take that hook really deep? Is that a problem? I think it's um, when they pause is when they're maybe manipulating the prey kind of into their mouth where they're going to swallow it. Yeah, you're kind of waiting for them to go into that motion of swallowing the fish. And if you set the hook too early when you're ice fishing, you're not going to hook them because their mouth is pretty bony. So if you are going to keep them, that's what you're going to be doing. He's kind of waiting for that pause and then waiting for them to move. And yeah, just don't set that hook too early. So how much of a priority is catching a grass pickerel? Do you have a prioritized list of which one you're going to go after next? This is one of your favorite genuses. Yeah. Yeah. So here's <laughs> where I stand with the Yeesox. I've got northern pike. I've got... Tiger musky, which is a hybrid between a northern pike and a true musky. And mm -hmm. I reckon I'll bring up this story when we talk about muskies because that was another like pivotal fish in my experience. I still remember that one. I got my red fin and my chain pickerels. So the next ones coming up are obviously grass pickerel and then true musky. And I would say mm -hmm. I prioritize true musky above the grass pickerel just because, as we've mentioned on this show before, I mean, we talked about in the Blue Sucker episode, the musky, that is just a fish of legend. And, you know, you, you got to get one. Right now, ne neither of them are particularly high because I'm not living in a place where they are. I'd have to make a specific trip for them. Musky are... A little closer. I like I could go up into the Tennessee River system or up to the New River. The New River's Oh yeah. It's managed for musky in some stretches just in particular, which there aren't a lot of fisheries like that. Again, th th this is musky episode talk. We, we shouldn't be bringing it up in the pickerels, but no. So so eventually, uh, I'll have to pick the brain of some guys I know. There, there was one guy who, before he left Ohio to come down here to Georgia, his goal was to catch all the Esocs in that state. And he'd already gotten musky. He'd already gotten his chain pickerel. He'd already gotten his northern pike. The last one he needed was this grass pickerel, which people take for granted. They, they, you talk about them, they're small, but that also mighty. makes them a little harder to catch. You can't use your traditional kind of pike and esox tackle form. You can't throw those big size five MEPS bucktails after them that, you know, they, these things are like as long as your hand. You, you got to be throwing little stuff but also fishing using the same techniques that we use for these much bigger fish. And so I, I don't think people run into the, the grass pickles as much, but eventually he found one and he was so proud of it. He got a big tattoo along his forearm oh, that, cool. well, I'm not a big fan of tattoos. Generally, that's one of the better ones I'd seen. And it is a really good rendition. Get one of those teardrop suborbital <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> you look like a mime. <laughs> 
another one that I want to get, and we may as well bring it up in this show because I don't think we're ever going to talk about it otherwise, is are you familiar with the Amur pike? I have heard of them. Aren't they in Asia? Yeah. So like the Amur River Basin. So that, that's the, the border between Russia and China is the Amur River. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. A-M-U-R is how it's spelled. Whereas you got these other pikes that have been described over in Europe. Now I'm going to go into my splitting a little bit of a rant. <laughs> There's a couple drainages where they've basically done the traditional thing that splitters do. They'll look at the genetics and say, ah, it's slightly different. We can tell which is which. So now we're going to say they're different species. And, you know, they may be a sign of things to come for pike and pickerel over here, too. Meanwhile, the Amur pike really is obviously something different. As opposed to the northern pike where you got this green body with these white little bean-like spots, the Amur pike has a really light body with these black dots on it. So <laughs> really looks very different than everything else within the Esox. So, you know, talking about this prioritized list, if I really want to make a trip, that's where I want to go. China, Russia, but then also Mongolia, I believe, has oh, Mongolia, the same cool. species in there. So go yeah. over there, hit up, get your Amur pike, then also go get some of those taimans. They're like these big, the I mean, they don't get thing, as right? big anymore. Yeah, it's like, it's a salmon. But imagine like this. They're cool looking. I've, yeah, I've seen pictures of them. The, the same specs on a salmon, like the same height and like a roundness, but then it's five feet long. So it's just yeah. like an extended salmon. Like if you cut the head off, cut a salmon in half, and then just threw a couple more bodies from other salmon <laughs> in the middle. And that's what you get with your taimen. So go over to Mongolia, catch me an Amur pike, catch me a taimen. But uh, that's kind of, I guess... Bucket list. Yeah, bucket list is a good way to find it because it's not a priority because I don't got that kind of scratch right now. But it's one of those things where if I did have that opportunity to go anywhere, obviously you want to go down like towards Manaus, down into the Amazon basin, check all that stuff out. Golden Dorado down Patagonia. That's, you know, a lifetime trip. We'll check. We'll check in with you in fifty years. See where you're at. Yeah. These trips. Uh, what are your future goals with the Esox and with pickerel? I don't know that I've got any future goals. I mean, I've caught muskie. I haven't caught a big muskie. I caught a lot of smaller muskie in Maine. But yeah, there's so many fish. I don't really. I feel like I've kind of been there, done that with these species. So I don't really have a goal with them right now. Where do you stand on um, Alaska species? How many of the freshwater ones have you caught? Oh, gosh. Okay, so all the five salmon, grayling. I mean, I've caught sticklebacks with my hands. I've caught blackfish. Blackfish, ice fishing. Yeah, I've caught rainbow trout, dolly varden, a bunch of marine species, lingcod, rockfish, sheafish. They were pretty amazing, huge fish. Um, I haven't caught all of the whitefish species yet, so that would probably be a goal. You caught pike from? Um, No, I don't think I've caught one in Alaska yet. We do have them around here, and people are catching them in South Central Alaska. And Yeah, there's some big ones, some really big ones here. It'd be cool to catch one here, I guess. So yeah, if I ever did a trip here, I guess I could target some pike. While we're talking about holding these fish, I just wanted to mention that when you're holding a long fish, such as a chain pickerel, and even more so like a pike or a muskie, if you must take them out of the water, you're going to want to do it quickly, be efficient with your photo taking, and make sure that you're supporting them gently under their belly. And you also want to keep them in natural horizontal 
position. You don't want to be holding them vertically. That can cause some problems with their spines and kind of the weight pulling down, especially with those bigger species. They do have teeth, like we mentioned. So you don't want to lip them like you would with a bass or a crappie, those fish that have those soft lips that you can grab with your finger. This is worth pointing out. You don't want to hold them by their eye sockets. It seems obvious, but sometimes with a fish like this that has a lot of teeth, maybe kind of hard to figure out in the moment how to hold them and where to grab them. Don't hold them by their eye sockets that can hurt their eyeballs. So treat them how you'd want to be treated. Some other options are like a fish gripper, which is a little tool that you can put in their mouth and grip onto that that toothy kind of bony mouth that they have. And then a final option might be a finger inside of the gill plate, but not touching the gills. If you look behind the operculum of fish, you're going to see these arches of gills and you want to avoid touching those, obviously, because that's where they get oxygen and it's really important kind of anatomy for them. One final thing would be not pinching on that operculum to hold them. If you have a bigger fish, you know, kind of like holding the eye socket, you might be inclined to find somewhere to to pinch them and hold them tight, but that can damage their gills as well. So just be careful with these guys. If you're going to keep them and eat them, kind of different story. But in general, if you're going to let them go, those are just some safe handling tips for you and for the fish. You're right about the lipper grippers. Use those. Even if you are getting your fingers up underneath the gill plate there to hold it, I've had plenty of fish that like that I've already dispatched and I'm like just carrying out or something where I hold them that way. And just the weight of the fish, if it's big enough, can start to slide down and break there. So be cognizant of that. Definitely support the whole fish. I think Katrina hit it on the head there. Not the fish. She hit the points on the head about how to handle these guys. Yeah. When we talked about Northern Pike, um, guy, you mentioned we did that early, early in season one. Uh, we've got a pretty good description of how to fillet a fish like this that has Y bones. But yeah, these pickerel are tasty. Um, once you get them filleted, especially like maybe a larger size chain pickerel or something like that, there's a lot of really tasty ways to eat it. It's a nice white meat. You can bread them and fry them would be the way that I would handle it. But they're definitely a tasty species. Pickerel are neat. They're fun. All right. Get out there and enjoy all the fish, especially the pickerel. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebeck, and my co-host is Guy Iro. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. Produced and story edited by Tasha A.F. Lemley. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Post-production by Alex Brower. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Regional Office of External Affairs. We honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individual tribes, states, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish. Fish.